He's 28 years of age, and Adama Traore is still talked about as if he's a professional footballer who's a danger, a threat. He's a threat to whatever manager has been stupid enough to buy him. That's it. He scored 10 goals as a forward. He's been playing 10 years. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Last time we were at Craven Cottage, our beloved owner couldn't even sit, <laughs> couldn't even sit the whole way through the match. This is a guy who's come out recently and said he's addicted to this hashtag UTV addiction. This is a guy <laughs> who said it gets under your skin. A guy who showed that he's just one of us, except he's putting in billions. To the <laughs> he showed he's just one of us by saying it can ruin your week. This is a guy who is caught up in the football bug. Imagine, you know, how, how often have we had these conversations with, with our own loved ones? Not just not just Sawiris, not just the only the only loved one in this analogy, but our own loved ones when we, we talk about, I do enjoy it, I do like it. I know, I know I'm always whinging. I know, but isn't it great? What a distraction. Sure, isn't it great to have an outlet like this? And he is just one of us now. He couldn't sit the whole way through watching Steven Gerrard's last game. He stormed out. Steven Gerrard was sacked within the half hour. And we know what happened after that. We all know what happened after that. But today we went back to Craven Cottage. And I feel like we were back to ourselves. We felt that way against United. It felt that way that we played well. We just didn't get the the just rewards. McGinn came out afterwards and said, if we play that way, we'll win more games than we'll lose. And I feel like there was just a nice confidence about Villa again. On the ball, they were pushing it through the lines. Boys were looking forward again. They weren't hiding. They were looking to go get their result. Even when they conceded, they were looking to push forward and get another goal. I don't know. I came away from that a bit heartened, Liam. I came away from it a bit heartened as well, but from a different perspective, I thought we really we really dogged it out towards the end. I mean, I can't remember the last time we won a game by playing pretty shite. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it, it must be what it feels like to be a Man United fan. There's big, big moments from big, big players at either end of the pitch. A couple of moments of magic, Conan. Which, oh. luckily enough, despite his pleading, didn't come in the correspondent fixture last season, where he might have had another week of Stephen Gerrard on a collective trauma. And the most, the most remarkable thing about the fact that Emery has won thirty of his fifty games since then is that the team hasn't changed all that much. I mean, the, the back four in this fixture last season was Konza, Bednarak, Mings, and Young. Today it was Cash, Longley, Torres, and Moreno. Better, but not massively. The front six. The only difference. To today is that we've swapped out Ronnie Ings for Yuri Twentymans. Like every every <laughs> every win we pick up over the next over the next few months are going to be worth celebrating. Like sorry, not that they're not the wins are never not worth celebrating, but you know what I'm saying. We're in the trenches. And look, I'm not a World War One soldier, but it's about surviving at the minute and digging in, and we really did that today as well, whenever Fulham <laughs> put us under a lot of pressure. It's so apt that you say we are in the trenches because I think everybody saw the picture of Tyro Mings back in the Villa gym and everybody got a bit carried away. And let's be honest, so did I. I basically said to you, tell him he's Paul McGrath, send him back out there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's war time now. Slap him in there, strap him up, put him out. We need we need as many bodies out there as we can. They're all going to drop, but we need to. This is a numbers <laughs> game now. We just need to get over the line with more men standing than Spurs and the Man United and yeah like it, 
Do you know what I thought was the biggest marker of difference here, though? 25 minutes into this match, Liam, Pereira whips one from the right-hand side. It's a lovely cross. It's gone to the back post. We've seen this story before. And Matt Cash gets up above everyone and heads it. He heads it back down into the box, but he won the head. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was above all the white shirts in there. And I was like, that guy's tuned in today. Like, that goal's not happening today. Emery is setting about fixing more wrongs in this patch-up that he's been trying to navigate along all season. Yeah, I was actually wondering was the best thing that has ever happened to Matty Cash and was defensive perspective was having to play next to Clement Longley in defence. I mean, that really, <laughs> really, really seemed to switch him on. I mean, like it's it's like that time you were you were flying back from France and the one of the engines blew out and you were obviously shitting yourself, but the only thing that kept you calm, the only thing that kept you level-headed was the fact that the person next to you was shitting themselves <laughs> even more than you were. <laughs> There's always somebody less fortunate than you, and it'll always make you feel a bit better. But it'll also, yeah, drive you into action as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Matt Cash was a lot more clued in today than he normally has been, and that's great to see because Jesus Christ, we're gonna need that. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Let's go through the goals first. There's a couple of other talking points that we get into, but we'll go through the three goals. 2-1 win, away to Fulham, and the first one is Ollie Watkins, and it's a disaster of a throw-in. I mean, we spend enough time complaining about our own throw-ins. I don't know what's going through Robinson's mind here. I don't know how casual William wants to be. It's great pressure from Ramsey, and it's a victory. It's a real victory for what you were saying last week, a victory for Ramsey, always wanting to win the ball very cleanly. (laughs) Not not barging through the defender, not tripping him, just trying to get a little nick on the ball, and he pokes it out to Watkins, and this turn, 
is just brilliant. He has everybody on a string. He's got the goalkeeper on the string. He has Per Diop on a string. Just turns away and in doing so, gives himself space, gives himself time, and gives himself the angle. And he drills it into that bottom corner. It's a lovely goal. My favorite thing, my favorite thing in football is reading the intention of someone else, or you know, or understanding what is possible by humans, or the physics of the moving ball, anticipating and reacting to what's about to happen or what's not about to happen and sometimes that is noticing a throw-in has too much pace on it and that the nearest player to a throw-in is a 35 year old who was fat three <laughs> years ago and, and JJ does brilliantly to read it and then he rewards himself of course with his favourite thing and tries to play the ball far too early first time out to Holly Watkins <laughs> he does well then to nick in like you say and keep his composure and just realise that William's fucked here and all he has to do is not foil him and what a turn from Watkins. Jesus Christ, it's so tight. It's so controlled. It's unbelievable. And he, JJ does brilliantly, but this goal is more about Ollie Watkins. The movement that he was able to do inside the box there, the calmness, the composure, yeah. absolutely brilliant, devastating. It was like he was seeing everything in slow motion. Like another player there, just you know, they're standing on the ball. They're looking for somebody else to get free. They run into trouble. They shoot into legs. He just saw it all unfold in front of him and uh, it, was, it was glorious and the second goal this passage of play man this is just unbelievable pinging it around with real intent Torres is coming out McGinn's on it like Watkins lovely touch gets thrown over by Diop in the process and it gets back up just in time to see Leon Bailey do a lovely little filthy bit of skill back into Ollie Watkins who drills it back gets back in the position Villa continue to ping it around John McGinn to Telemans and then Telemans. Telemans sometimes just makes football look so easy. To, not when he's running the length of the pitch, guaranteed. We'll come back to that. <laughs> not when he's having to play 93 minutes as well. God love him. We'll come back to that. But just his right foot. Sometimes what he does, it's like, oh, why, why doesn't everybody else just do that? He just looks up and he just passes the ball into space. And it's very easy when Watkins is just running in behind the up who doesn't seem to know where he is, and he gets in behind, and he just drills home. I wouldn't say it's the most accurate finish, but he does enough again. It's like he sees where the keeper is, and he knows I put the ball here with that pace. It's a goal. That, that goal reminded me of us playing in the power leagues and just exploiting the fact that you know we were playing against a lot of young fellas who were not interested in defending. Like, this is the Premier League. This shouldn't be me passing the ball to you and Spowell. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> just in the lead up to this goal you, you were talking about how controlled we were on possession and the lovely things that we did and the commentator announces that Marco Silva has told his players to push up my fucking ears pushed up they perked up <laughs> I, I, I leaned forward in my seat that the, that the ball was just coming to Torres at this stage and I was like has he? <laughs> has, he, has he really told him to push up? He, he's asked Andreas Pereira to put the squeeze on has he? Well let's fucking <laughs> score then <laughs> and if Unai Emery dreams about football, which I really hope he doesn't, I mean, I hope he gives himself a break, even if it is subconsciously. But if, if he does dream about football, which he definitely does, this is the goal. <laughs> this is the goal that he sees. Just a string of passes, the centre half, the three centre midfielders, and then the centre forward. And it looks so simple when it comes. I mean, the space between the centre halves is only matched by the void between Bert Leno's ears. It's, it's, a, it's an absolutely ruthless hit from Ollie. 
but Leno makes himself as small as possible before. <laughs> and and you'd think the payoff would be that he's ready to spring, but he barely moves. And don't get me wrong, it is a great hit from Ollie Watkins, but like you said, he's not exactly put it in the corner. And then you're thinking at that stage, let's just go on and put these guys to bed. We already had two offside goals. We had a lot of chances. You're thinking, okay, a third now could open the, open the floodgates up. <sighs> And then Fulham score. <laughs> imagine, imagine Robinson getting an assist with the day he was having. This is how, just how bad. And it wasn't even like I wouldn't even blame Matt Cash because Robinson has, has played a really bad cross there under pressure. He's just chased the ball down the wing, gotten a little inch to just poke it into badly, and it's just a complete cock up from both Longley and Martinez. I mean, we can debate who the winner is here in the What the Fuck Award. There's two other nominations, but it's going to take some beating this and. Uh, like both of them really at fault Longley should definitely just deal with it I don't know what Martinez is doing out there it's very unlikely to just leave an open net like that I mean that's what other keepers do that's not what Martinez does Longley has to has to go to that yeah I don't, I don't care if he's gotten a shout from his keeper tell him to shut the fuck up like make, <laughs> make, make your own mind up Clement like understand your place in the world and I don't mean appreciate your own autonomy the fact that you're your own man I literally mean understand your physical place in the world <laughs> understand that that is on a football pitch three yards in front of Munez and, you, and you're right Cash does well to get close enough to make sure the cross is powerless and it's 100% long lays ball but Longley once again exhibits all the special awareness of Amelia Earhart and you're, but you're right as well. You're, you're, you're right. You're right to point out Martinez. Like if Martinez is coming for it, then come for it. His angle of approach yeah. was so weird. It was like Amelia Earhart trying to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to detour quickly oh, on Amelia Earhart, uh, <laughs> always thought it was strange that her plan was to land on a Pacific island. This was somebody who landed in Derry when they were aiming for France. Now, obviously, very talented, very brave, a trailblazer, but that was such a risk to take, and that's exactly what Emmy Martinez did as well. He gave, he gave no room <laughs> no room for error by leaving the entire goals open. There were like there, there were three other goals in this game, and Watkins, I mean, we thought we are seeing the best of his finishing when he was offside again. And Tim, Tim Ream also had an offside goal. You know, my my antennas were up free kick goal. I thought, oh, here we fucking go. Where's Austin McPhee? And it turns out two people were offside. And <laughs> I think it was Paulina and Tim Ream, Tim Ream were both offside. And then Moreno's offside goal as well. There was a, a hint of already drawing the lines in the right place there. It looks like they're drawing it on Bailey's uh, heel. We'll never know. We'll never know if they got that call right. But uh, that was just a corner to Watkins and Marino came out a split second too late. The Watkins one, it, like it is finished with typical. I know I'm offside a plum from Ollie Watkins. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really it's really great football. Watkins is probably Watkins is actually probably running expecting the pass to Bailey and getting himself free for the subsequent cross in. But Telemans never plays that pass. I don't think Telemans has ever rolled a ball to the winger. Like, what's the point if it's only going to come back into the centre forward anyway? Yuri Tiedemann's yeah. just like, I'll just give it to the centre forward. No point getting Bailey involved here. <laughs> Cut out the middle, man. And just give it to the middle, man, instead. <laughs> and the Ream one, the, the flick on and the finish are both offside. You're right. And well done, Austin McPhee. You've coached the players to stand still in a straight line. The next step is to coach them to win a fucking header. <laughs> and then Moreno. Yeah, look, it's... 
it's easy to be annoyed because it's so close. It's easy to be suspicious. Not that there's a grand conspiracy against Aston Villa. I mean, these lads aren't smart enough to pull off a conspiracy. They've, they've reached the limit of their mental capacity when they've counted that there are 22 players in the pitch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the referees in the Premier League trying to remember the rules and trying to figure out how they're going to bend them? Like That's, that's never going to happen. Forget about that. There's no conspiracy against Aston Villa. They're just really bad at their jobs. The other way to think about it is that if it was John McGinn, his arse would have been half a yard offside. So, you know, we just we got unlucky with the fact that Marino's arm was extended. The power that Watkins was able to generate and the finish from Moreno are both brilliant though I think that's the most frustrating thing about this it was a really good goal from the two lads and they probably deserved it this Moreno lad has proved to be a goal threat and I didn't take any pleasure from the fact that I had him benched on my fantasy football team I genuinely just just wanted him to score for Aston Villa's sake so that'll tell you how much how much of a fan I am who's your captain this week obviously you went for Watkins did you no, no. So the only other thing <laughs> I want to talk about, there's two other things I want to talk about at the top of the show. The penalty shots, I mean, this is just this is just classic. This is Diop on Watkins. It's classic, you know, it's a free anywhere else in the pitch. And the commentator, I know they were having a stinker all day anyway. I mean, started with the, the start of the game, talking about Diaby being on the bench, and that just shows the strength and depth fill up. It's, just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, Diaby being on the bench also shows how much activity they've had in the transfer window recently. <laughs> anyway, they also said, and maybe they were right on this, this isn't really on them, but they said, perhaps they don't want to embarrass a rookie referee by giving the penalty. Now, we know that John Brooks was on VAR, so that's definitely a, a no for him, but I mean, the opposite, <laughs> he's tripped him and barged him over. It's, it's definitely a foul, but it's just like not in the box threshold hasn't been hit there. Yeah, I see, yeah it's really, really frustrating. Like it's, You're right, it's definitely a foul. I think it. I think if this is going to be universally applied by referees the entire world over, then we need to change the rules. We need to say there is a higher threshold for a foul in the box. See what you think is a foul? There isn't a foul. That was shut down. <laughs> these arguments. Here's what a foul is in the box. You have yeah. to decapitate somebody or whatever they seem to think it is. But like I said, any really, it's more of a foul than the one on De Cordiva Reed. I'd say. But like you know, if Torres does that out the pitch as well and just runs into the back of De Cordiva Reed. It's probably given as a free kick as well. Uh, the worst thing about this one is that if there's a big bouncing ball. I prefer if Torres just ran around them, to be honest. The ball's in the air for that long. And, it, and it's going to take someone like Decordi Verita a fair amount of time to figure out what to do with the balls. It's dropping out. So Torres had plenty of time just to walk around them and get in the way, get himself goal side. But the thing that confuses me about the, the way Decordi Verita flopped to the ground there is seeing as so many of these people are such cheating bastards. I am always astonished by how bad they are at diving. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not trying to encourage diving. But Decord Eva Reed felt the nudge in the back, realized he couldn't control the ball, and then felt it couldn't have looked less natural. Yeah. Did he actually think he was going to get away from that? It actually made everybody just be annoyed at him rather than acknowledging the fact that he probably was foiled. Stupid stuff. Like if you're gonna be a cheating bastard, at least figure out how to do it. Yeah, he definitely, I think they did call it correctly. They said he went down in two phases there. I mean, the first part, he wasn't going down. The first part was just his reaction to the nudge, which is he stepped forward. And then the second part was the decision <laughs> decision to go down. I think the Watkins one as well, just, just the biggest shame of it was Bailey's pass with his right foot, which the commentator said he didn't have one. They said it was for standing on. With his right foot around the corner, like that. 
that weight of pass, that distance of a pass, it was just glorious. Probably the winner of the Paul Merson, that's just filthy award. And it was just such a shame that we didn't get something from that pass alone. Yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant pass. And imagine saying that, saying that about Leon Bailey. Like, obviously, they haven't watched Aston Villa, given the other things you just ran through there. But having seen him do that in the match, how could you possibly have the cheek and the lack of wherewithal to say that. Like surely, surely you can see that he clearly does have a right foot, and it's the most dangerous right foot in the Premier League. <laughs> okay, let's take a break and then we're gonna come back with WhatsApp winges. Some fines first before we go anywhere, and it's a quadruple whammy for <laughs> Alex Moreno. Alex Moreno is getting a one month fine for this one. <laughs> One day of work, and the first one is just a right-footed pass on the left-hand side. He goes out of play. Uh, he was looking for Jacob Ramsey. Second one is when he slips on his arse when John McGinn just rolls the ball out to him, and he can see another throw in. The third is when he throws the ball out for a goal kick. This is two weeks in a row <laughs> an Aston Villa player has thrown the ball out for a goal kick. Bounced one over the head of Ollie Watkins. And the fourth is when he conceded an unnecessary corner because Traore was behind him. I, I, I swear, these boys, these boys in that position, you know, when they're running with a, with a forward coming up their back, they're running towards their goals or towards their byline. They, they don't appreciate that you still have to control the ball with your feet. So, like, even if Traore nicks in there, he still has to control it. And, like, that's a good thing when Traore still has to do that. Yeah, like, it's not it's not rugby. It's not American football. It's not whoever gets there first wins. You still have a lot to do when you do win it. So, just panic a little less. You don't have to kick it out of play for a, a corner. Absolutely disgraceful behavior from Alex Moreno. I mean, no what you're doing I know who you're playing against on a football pitch and if it's that amateur Rory then just take a fucking beat take <laughs> a beat pal he probably hasn't even realised there's a threat on here he's probably stopped running and even if he hasn't who cares do you know how many top flight goals that amateur Rory has scored in his career Connor? I don't 10 He's 28 years of age and Adama Trory is still talked about as if he's a professional footballer who's a danger, a threat. He's a threat to whatever manager has been stupid enough to buy him. That's it. He scored 10 goals as a forward. He's been playing 10 years. Wow. It's sort of, it's like the Lingard syndrome, isn't it? It sort of feels like he's always about to break through. He's about to have his moment. <laughs> There was, well, he did have a moment in this game, and it was a really, really <laughs> big save. A really, really big save from Martinez. But, like, Trory's is about as dangerous as a kitten wearing fucking oven mitts. It's a really good save. But, Jesus, <laughs> I've never been more pleased to know who was bearing down on the Aston Villa goal. Like, he, pick, he picked the ball up on the halfway line at one stage and stepped past someone and the commentator, who I have to assume has only ever seen him play on FIFA. He shouts <laughs> out, try to stop him. <laughs> And just as Chirori's created the 10 yards of space for himself, he scoops the ball from the right-hand side half space out to the left-hand side corner flag about 25 yards ahead of Harry Wilson. Like That's the first time I've ever felt sorry for Harry Wilson, incidentally. But that, <laughs> that's how you stop Adama Chirori. Let him have the fucking ball. Let him have space. Have we ever told the story about, about the only time we've had a fight on the football pitch? There was some lad... Some lad falling over the ball in front of you for what felt like two and a half minutes, and then he knocked the ball into the bottom corner. And the whole time he had the ball in front of you, 
at the age of our box, I was leaning forward on my toes, waiting for the counter attack. And when he scored, I remember, and remember he did score. <laughs> I he, turned to yeah. him. I turned well, hang to him on. and said, go on, go on, man. No, he scored because you were giving out to me for not putting pressure on him. And I was saying, there's no need. He's not going anywhere. Look at the state. Like, and this, unfortunately for him, played out in front of him then for the next five minutes. We were arguing. We were arguing about how shite this player is in front of us. And, exactly. <laughs> and you said, I should have just gone and took the ball if he was that shite. And I was saying, but he's a big, awkward cunt. I don't, like, we just have to stand here and he'll give it away eventually. Yeah, I said, what the fuck was that? You said he's shite. I was waiting for him to lose the ball. I said, no, because he's shite, take it off him. But we were leaning around the lad who has just scored and was walking in between us while we were having an argument about how shite he was. And if that was a Damatrori coming, we would have both been right because that's how you defend against a Damatrori. Whatever way you fucking want, he's shite. Speaking of which, there's only a one dollar player getting fined today. Matt Cash did a Forrest Gump down the right hand side just before <laughs> happening. <laughs> we need to unfurl a banner to say stop. You know, you've gone far enough. He just ran straight out of play. A great, great run, blistering run down the right hand side. Nobody was catching him and he wasn't catching the ball in the end. <laughs> the first WhatsApp wins. For normal replays, they need to stop going to the VAR camera. This like gives me conniptions. I feel like, I'm, like uh, every time I see that, do you, you know what I'm talking about? It's like half a bird's eye view. It's a 45 degree type of thing on the sideline right at the box. And it's it's like it's tilted. And it's, <laughs> if, if a bird flew down to 45 degree angle, that's the But it's got like a different color as well it's like it's not not as higher quality camera it's obviously why they get so many mistakes with var and every time they show it just for a normal replay i, I sit up and like what the fuck are they looking at here it looks like they're looking at something because they're, the the replay of it's always slower as well it's just a terrible idea yeah i suppose they gotta get their money's worth somehow Conan. and by the way that is not the reason why they get so many things wrong with var it's not to do with the cameras <laughs> it's just the fact that there are humans who aren't very good at their job sitting behind the cameras as you well know the only other WhatsApp ones I have is what about the free kick? John McGinn, Leon Bailey, Douglas Louise are standing around discussing who's going to hit it. And Matt Cash is there as well. <laughs> Matt Cash has a lot to say for his free kick routine. Matt Cash continues to lean over. It's like, you sure you don't want me to hit it? I swear to God, McGinn was waving him away at one stage. It's like, you know, the, the adults are speaking here. Go away. You're not part of this. Is this the same free kick that Leon Bailey tried to bend around the, the wall? The wrong way. He bent it away from the nets around the outside of the wall with his left foot. What the fuck was that about? Why were you going to possibly introduce a fine for this? It'll never happen again, I hope. He beat the wall. He beat the wall. <laughs> Let's take a breather and we're going to come back after this. Roy Keane thinks Scott Parker is a dweeb. <laughs> In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Uh, Roy Keane thinks everybody's a dweeb. I just thought every time he cut back from Parker being interviewed, for some reason he's been interviewed two or three times before the game, and uh, talking shit obviously, and, <laughs> and every time he cut back, it looked like Roy Keane was holding in a laugh, 
and it looked like you know Carragher had that little knowing look that he has sometimes you know when he knows what somebody's laughing at or whatever like, he's a proper football bloke you know and he, he tries to pretend that he's intelligent as well so then pretentious football writers can get behind him Scott and Roy King just that's absolute fodder for Roy King you know he, he, he sniffs that out immediately he hates bullshit and you're right he hates Scott Parker like even at the end of that game the story isn't fucking Scott Parker the camera's on Scott Parker's face Aston Villa have just climbed into the Champions League places Never to be dislodged. That's the story. It's not fucking Scott Parker getting spanked again. A lot of Ronnie Rosenthal nominations to start us off in the award categories. And what about Jacob Ramsey coming inside on his right foot? What about it? I mean, he pulled the shot wide, but when Jacob Ramsey did this, I knew it was different. I knew, like, Matt Cash wins a header to back post. Jacob Ramsey looks like he's about to telegraph another pass out to Moreno, and he just shifts it onto his right foot, gets away from the defender, gets his shot off. And in that moment, even though he hit it wide, I felt like he discovered who he was again. Yeah, there we go. There's the incision, the confidence, the remembrance of things past. Maybe maybe the grass had just been freshly cut, Conan, and that triggered something in his memory. Maybe he had just had some tea-soaked madelines as his pre-game meal. I don't know, but something worked for Jacob Ramsey there. What didn't work there, of course, was my Price reference when I was speaking to you. <laughs> Rodrigo got in behind Longley from a Pereira ball. Over the top, him and Torres just done so easily. Long Longley has this habit as well, so it, it wasn't as much on this one. He did do it, but it, it wasn't. It didn't have as big an impact. But he has this habit of pushing forwards into more space. <laughs> he pushes him away from his challenge and says, "Off oh, you!" Like he did it at the edge of the box. He he freed up Rodrigo as well. He was trying to hold the ball up. Longley's on him. He's got. He's not going anywhere, and he pushes him away. And Rodrigo lets fly a shot on the half volley. Yeah, the last thing Clement Longley needs to do is create more space for a, an opposition centre forward. Such a bizarre, bizarre habit that he has. He definitely did twice in this game. So strange. Leon Bailey off the crossbar after knocking the ball through per Robinson. I mean, the dip on that shot was great. Uh, this is after a Jacob Ramsey drive up the pitch as well. Like it's a. He comes short, he plays a nice ball to Moreno first time, which is good. And then the position and the touch to take it back off Moreno again is even better. Then he gets too excited with such a heavy touch. But then he's strong (laughs) and he's hungry and he wants to win it back. And when he does win it back, he powers up the pitch and he feeds it out to the right-hand side and Bailey comes back inside. And it's just a great shot, so unlucky. Yeah, Anthony Robinson was as confused as his parents were when they tried to spell his first name. This this was... (laughs) This was absolutely disgusting. You cannot defend against that type of player. Like, how do you stop someone who can do that? Like, that is the type of goal you take into a contract negotiation. That's that's the type of goal you. That's the type of goal you take into the bedroom. If I'm being honest, Conan. <laughs> Honey, I'm home. Oh, don't, don't come in. I'm just getting changed. Are, are you watching Leon Bailey again? <laughs> 
Douglas Louise butchered one then. Like Watkins was to his left, Telemans was to his right. The shot was in front of him as well. I think everybody just wanted him to shoot. And the pass is just awful, really. Really poor from Dougie, actually. Yeah, really, really bad. I mean, it was The pass was never going to make it to him. It was a bad angle to him. There was a defender there. <laughs> so it's the three things you would never associate with Douglas Louise. Terrible. Well, flick with the outside of his boot. It was so weak, so strange. Fulham got a corner. Fulham should have got a goal from the corner, of course. Rodrigo gets a <laughs> header. Necessary parts of that sentence there, Connor. <laughs> Rodrigo gets a header. Ramsey's on him. Torres seems to be too busy watching the far side of the box. That's not on Torres. That's on the setup. And Ramsey's on Rodrigo, who gets up above him and heads it very powerfully. Heads it down. Heads it wide. Yeah, it looks like we've learned our lesson from having Kamara uh, marking the opposition's best. Uh... <laughs> Attacking header, so now, now we've we've switched to Jacob Ramsey. Like we were never going to make that mistake again by putting a big powerful centre midfielder on somebody. Fuck that. What we need to do here is put our little live wire centre midfielder on somebody. <laughs> Poor Yuri Telemans. Like he just doesn't have the pace. This is the thing. It's it's hard to give out to him for this. I know it was frustrating. I know he wanted him to hurry the fuck up. I know Watkins was waiting on him, but he couldn't do anything. Like he's trying his little hardest there to get up with the play, and he does get there eventually. But by the time he gets there, the keeper's out on him. Like Watkins won the ball so well, center circle, and then he just drives straight through the middle, waits for Telemans, and he rolls at him. And Telemans is too slow getting up into space. And there's still a chance after this. And Liam Bailey's dicking around, and Douglas Ruiz is standing looking at him. Are you going to play it to me or not? And he eventually just hits it over. He wins a corner, maybe. But Jesus, it was that was really casual from him. It's brilliant from Watkins. Just again, the anticipation and then the quality to exploit it. To know that if he does the right thing here, there is a goal on the little Cruyff drag, drag back just gets him up the pitch. So much space in front of him then. And Telemans, I mean, that, that was probably the longest run he's ever made on a football pitch. But I think, I think you're being you're being really kind to him. They say he just doesn't get there. And then the keeper's like, he does get there. Watkins plays a perfect pass to him. For some reason, Fulham don't realise what's happened. I couldn't have possibly expected that Telemans was going to take so fucking long to get up the pitch. But they don't react to it. They don't go out to Watkins. And Watkins rolls the ball perfectly in front of Telemans. And all Telemans has to do is put that ball six inches into the air and it's a goal. But he doesn't. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Then from the corner, Longley had a header, and then Watkins had a header. We, could, we really could have, we should have gotten a second before half time. That was all just before the break. Yeah, I, was it not Watkins that got up in front of Longley? And then we didn't get a set, we didn't get a replay of it. To, no, we didn't get a replay of either of them actually, because they were they were they, they were sure that the second one was such a bad miss from Watkins. Well, it looked like it just got blocked down, but I would would have liked to have seen it again. Yeah, like but both of them just hit off the back of somebody's head. So like if, if Watkins is feeling bad about Telemans robbing him of an assist, imagine how bad he feels about it. the ball is bouncing off the back of Tim Reed's head as he's wandering <laughs> around his own box confused. <laughs> I don't think we can count Jacob Ramsey's hot air balloon shot, can we? <laughs> that is still rising, I'd say. Yeah, it was really good movement, but he fucking got under that more than Pep Guardiola gets under my skin, Colin. It was fucking <laughs> dreadful. Well, the stadium, I know Craven Cottage isn't that big a stadium, but you shouldn't be putting a fucking ball over the stand. And then Watkins hit a long range one wide. It will be hit one off Martinez's legs. He's coming in the left-hand side. And probably the winner, and especially because of the importance of it. You already touched on it, but I mean, Trerori went straight through. Ball in between Torres and Luca Dean, and Trerori's through. And Martinez with a France World Cup final type of save with an Australia World Cup 
quarterfinal type of save. I mean, just just brilliant. To basically, tell him the forward where he wants him to go and then making the save. Bert Leno versus Tieleman save even, Connor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's Demi Martin a save, isn't it? He makes it so often. It's it's so good. Whenever somebody goes three one on one, though, you're not necessarily expecting your worst. You're waiting to see what Martinez can do, which is such a rare thing to happen in my lifetime of somebody burning down on the Aston Villa goal. To be thinking, hang on, let's see what's going to happen here. There was there was another one as well, though, where the ball came across to Munez. He makes a bit of a mess of it and he flicks it with the outside of his right foot, his ankle almost. But it's probably going in because he's so close in. But Douglas Louise comes flying across like a good boy snapping at his ankles and gets the block and it was like the first time I've seen Douglas Louise defend with such aggression as well it was absolutely brilliant to see and that was really when I realized how much we were digging in when I see Douglas Louise doing the dirty work <laughs> the Peter Eichelman what the fuck award I mean it will take some beating Clement Longley for the Fulham goal but John McGinn at defensive midfield just getting pickpocketed and that leads to Castagna's cross and the good Longley block in fairness. And that's when the De Cordova Reed incident happened as well. This is what happens when you lose the ball right in front of your goals. <laughs> it normally results in a chance for the opposition. And John McGinn <laughs> did it again in the second half. And he got very lucky to get a free kick. I mean, a different referee, a less clued in referee, a referee who's trying to, you know, let it flow, doesn't know, understand the rules of football, might have just played on there. But we didn't have that. And then Matt Cash clattering into Emmy Martinez as well. Definitely deserves a nomination. Just because I thought he injured Martinez. And then, of course, I should have realized Villa are ahead. They're away from home. Martinez probably loves this. But Cash uh, was... That's, that's, not a, that's a nomination. That's not a what-the-fuck nomination. That's a... Is Ronaldo not hitting it? The advisory <laughs> award nomination from the two of them. You think they were both at it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. There's no reason for Cash to jump. And there's definitely no reason for Martinez to jump on the ground. Yeah. I want to go to the Vyman meter early because there's a lot of people, a lot of things to discuss. So it's about time we brought this forward. And the first person to talk about is Matt Cash. I did talk about how tuned in he was in this game. And there was one there, like we, we praised Austin McPhee for being able to use an offside line for defending set pieces. And Matt Cash is playing a Wobie offside. He does it so well. He steps up, he keeps the line. And then see what this like isn't a common occurrence for Matt Cash, so he does it really well. There's praise, and he still gets around to block the ball the other side then as well, even though it is going to be offside eventually. And he blocks the rebound from that block too. Just that sort of summed up Matt Cash today. And I know they were using him in a more defensive role anyway. It was like this is this is a great idea. Why don't we? You know, we were all worried about Longley playing on the right hand side of defence, but the way they sort of let Moreno back up the pitch like it was last season. And then it meant Longley was a bit more central then, rather than just always being on the right-hand side. Every time Longley was on the ball, he was still able to come in on the left-hand side. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that uh, Matt Cash has played this role for us before was a little bit strange <laughs> that we never we never tried it. Um, we, we haven't tried it since... Or we haven't tried it with Matt Cash in the team. We've just Every time Matt Cash has been in the team, he's been playing as a galloping fullback. I could think of an other adjective for how he was playing as well, but he was he was really solid defensively today, and we know he can do that. We know he does love a challenge. Matt Cash does like the game whenever it's tight as well because he likes crunching into people, and he does like last-ditch defending. And with the current setup at the back, there is going to be probably a lot of last-ditch defending for him to do. So hopefully he continues to do it as well as he did today. I think with Matt Cash is that he does... 
it just needs one instruction and unfortunately when part of the instructions are we need you to be an attacking outlet it, it foregoes the the other side of that like it focuses on that and it focuses on trying to shoot the whole time then are as you, well when it hears are you saying he is he needs one instruction or he can only hear one instruction uh, yeah well, I think he needs one because it's like, well, it needs to just be just defend. <laughs> if, if we are playing him, then yeah, forget about it. It's like just just defend. Matt, did you hear that one? Defend like that's because you can't do it. Like you are aggressive, you are up for it. So just just be up for it for the whole game, and and he was in this match. And it, and it and it is a nice way to get around the the Longley Torres problem as well with the two of them playing there because it does allow, like you say, Longley to play. As a middle centre half, then to play in the middle of the three, so yeah, yeah, good. Uh, that's possibly a Glenn Whelan, not definitely not a Glenn Whelan nomination. Tim Sherwood, we play two number tens and bamboozled them. Oh, you know, Emery's winning another Tim Sherwood award. I imagine I couldn't remember the name of the tactical award, even though it's named after Tim Sherwood. <laughs> the fans deserve. Uh, deserve to be going up on the Vyman meter because the chant after Fulham's disallowed goal, we forgot that you were here. Just brilliant. Just like, especially in the context of the Fulham fans getting a lot of grief and it's coming to a lot of people's attention and how quiet Fulham fans are, how polite they are. And then just when they finally got a cheer in when they thought they scored and the Villa fans reacting with, we forgot that you were here. That's a group of people having fun out there. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Make the most of your day out in London, Connor. That's what I say. Yuri Telemans, does he go up? Because he lasted 93 minutes. I think he deserves to go up for that. I think after 70 minutes, I, I thought it was clear. Yeah, Yuri's starting to gas here a little bit. What did you call him? 20 minutes? So it's like, you know, the fact that he was getting 70 great minutes out of him, I thought that was good. Now, now save him. But he, he lasted another 23 after that. Yeah. Well, he was on for another 23 after that. <laughs> His heart rate was definitely going up, I'd say. Like, I, I really, really, really hope Yuri Tiedemann says in the union, man, because he has had a massive change to his working conditions without a change to the terms of his contract. Yuri Tiedemann hasn't signed for Aston Villa to play a full game of football, Con, and it certainly doesn't appear that way anyway, based on how he's performed to date. This is absolutely, completely unacceptable from Aston Villa as an employer to ask Yuri Tiedemann to go out there and stay on the pitch and perform for 93 minutes. Incredible. <laughs> What do you think of Lewis Smith, the the referee, the debutant referee? Just hired Webb go up. I thought I thought this referee was all right. I, 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 there is a question of how is somebody being fast tracked from League Two up to the Premier League in one season, like twenty five games into the season, and it's not only that he's been fast tracked. This boy has been promoted from League Two to League One, done a stint there, League One to Championship, did a stint there, and it's like right, get him in, send him into the Premier League now, and. I don't know. I thought I thought he I thought he did well. There was one where Watkins he was appealing for a foul on Diop. He was saying it was a handball. Again, you were wondering why did he give that to Fulham? That was a bat, and then you looked at it. It was actually Watkins who handballed it. That was a really good call as well, Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, I, you're asking to, should Howard Webb be going up there? I mean, fast tracking a referee, he's he's able to identify that somebody might be better at this than Michael Oliver. <laughs> or fucking Anthony Taylor, like well, well done, Howard. Like you didn't. Like, football's the same at all levels, Connor. That's what I say. I'm going to Craven Cottage in front of 24 people or whatever it was. It isn't exactly a high pressure situation either. He's, he obviously can do this job as well as David Cook can do it. 
You fucking did them. Tyrrell Webb's responsible for David Cook being in the Premier League, so we can't, we can't be praising him too much for getting somebody who's competent at the job. And he, uh, the game got a bit messy towards the end. I don't think that was anything to do with him, though. I think that was to do with the absolute cynical play from Aston Villa. <laughs> we were playing yeah. and allowing Luis Boamorte to jump up and down the sideline as well. He probably could have got a hold of that. There was one moment, though, that I'm, I'm really not happy about stopping the play for Pereira. I mean, like this was whenever John McGinn ran into the back of Andres Pereira, ran into the side of Andres Pereira, and the play developed for another two or three minutes after that. Villa had the ball. This has to stop. There, there are so many simple, small things that the lawmakers and the law enforcers could change to make the game to make to make the game more enjoyable to watch and to reduce the amount of fucking time wasting and cheating. Don't stop the play because someone has run into someone on a football pitch. And, mm. and especially especially if it was John McGinn's arse. I mean, is there anything softer on a football pitch? Apart from Pereira's mentality, obviously. There is no way you would feel anything other than comforted or relaxed. It's like falling into a fucking bed with a duck-down doobie on it. Get off the ground, you little prick. The ref definitely, definitely can't go up this week, can <laughs> Well, it's his first week as well, so he can't go down either. So we'll keep an eye on Lewis Smith. Zaniolo, speaking of being cynical, Zaniolo has to go up holding the ball away from Robinson, who's trying to take a throw in. It was only for a few seconds, but Robinson was trying to get the ball and get it back in the play. I don't know why he was taking the throw after his shenanigans, but he, <laughs> but he was, and Zaniolo was keeping it away from him. Maybe he's the winner of the shithousery award. Like if that's what he was doing when he wasn't even on the pitch, he definitely would have got sent off when he came on if that was the type of nonsense he was on. Yeah. <laughs> was but it, it didn't get to that stage. Like You're right, because for a period, I was looking at Marco Silva going crazy, and I was like, what do you think's happened here in this match? You know, they've got a shit goal, and now he's, he's, he's carrying on like they're, they're really being screwed over here. And then the more I watched it, the more I realized Villa are, are doing these boys now a little bit. Villa are doing these boys in Villa. Like Villa got two really shit goals from two Fulham mistakes. But I do think the manager needs to have a bit more composure. He can't let that seep into the team because then all of a sudden the players are all hyped up. And sure, Fulham players were running straight into the back of Aston Villa players for fun, except it was only fun for Aston Villa players. Fucking idiots. Like the amount of stupid fouls they gave away, the amount of times. Like they gave John McGinn everything he wanted. Like John McGinn turned around. There's what a damn it, well, it's a damn it, Rory. So this isn't going to be that surprising. But a damn it, Rory was about five yards away at one stage. John McGinn had time to look over his shoulder, see that a damn it, Rory was coming uh. at full speed, and just stand there. That's all he did. He just stood on the pitch, and a damn it, Rory ran straight into him, and then started giving it the begging as if John McGinn was. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. He can't just run over the top of somebody. It, it was ridiculous. McGinn was hanging over the ball, looking back, saying, "Come on, then, make my day. Go, go <laughs> ahead." <laughs> and and he's doing that thing then when Adama Traore was giving out. He wasn't really looking at him. It looked like he was saying something, probably trying to wind him up a bit more. And then they said on commentary that he was having a smile at Marco Silva then afterwards as well. Absolutely brilliant. Probably told him how shy his coat was. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just before another player going up. Tim, get the foot in Erugmanen because we know we might need this boy a lot more now that Kamara's out for the season. And he won that ball back 
off a damage Rory rather than us sinking back rather than him stepping off. He just stepped forward and took the ball off him and that led to the ball going to John McGinn who then won the free and that was basically the winning of the match. So Tim, very short appearance but a very good appearance. Yeah, he st- you're right. He stepped forward and won the ball back. He stepped forward to the wrong side of a amateur. <laughs> it was a very risky. Nah, but then again, he just, sorry. Said, he just said, defend whatever way you like you're against right. him. You're right. Exactly what I was about to say. I immediately caught myself there, Conor. Remember <laughs> the player you're playing against. Yeah, Tim play the man. I remember them. <laughs> going down. This isn't the award, but going down. Glenn Whelan is going down. Because this week... I've seen Glenn Whelan on Twitter. Didn't know he was on Twitter. Still haven't verified that it's actually him. But let's say for all intents and purposes it is. They were celebrating Conor Hurrahan's goal against West Brom in the playoff semifinals. It was just going around social media. And Glenn Whelan replies, tags in Conor Hurrahan, says, save my ass that day. Something funny. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's joke worthy. I mean, we're 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 watching Unai Emery cook with Aston Villa right now because he did save yours. There's nothing funny about Glenn Whelan letting that ball go through him when he's trying to take a touch and letting Dwight Gale. I assume it was Dwight Gale go straight through <laughs> and score a goal in the play at home at Villa Park. And we, we we were battering him and we couldn't get the fucking goal. That's why Harahan's goal was so important. It was such relief as much of a screamer it was as well. But we were fucked until that. And we eventually got the second one. Like that, that get that that series, that playoff semi-final tie went to penalties. All because Glenn Whelan couldn't take a touch of a ball in championship level football. I'm still not ready to laugh about this five years later. There's this nothing funny about it. It's not by you either. Hurrahan can maybe make that joke. You can't come along and try to own this now. You, uh, you said something very strange there. I was like, I, I didn't know he was on Twitter. I didn't know he was on the football pitch half the time. He's supposed to be representing Ireland or Aston Villa, Conan, for fuck's sake. How would you know he was on Twitter? And. <laughs> This is gonna this is gonna sound like hyperbole, but has anybody ever hit the ball better than Conor Huron hit that ball in that semi final? Wow. I mean, the way he struck that ball was so strange and so confident to just whip it like that, but also hit it so straight initially is fucking insane. It's an incredible, incredible strike of a ball. <laughs> This, this is why sometimes I wish the show was just you know on a radio where somebody could just flick in or drive into the shop and then they just catch it and it's just us talking about Connor Hurrahan scoring a goal in 2019. <laughs> 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 Has anyone struck the ball as well as Connor? It's like, what the fuck is this shit? And they flick it over to just some music channel instead. <laughs> 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 Don't do that, by the way. What a terrible advertisement. <laughs> Glenn Whedon, 91 caps for Ireland. Uh, you probably had a season ticket for all 91 of those as well. <laughs> the only other person... He's not going down, right? Maybe he's going up because it's great for his career. I have to look at the captain here. Maybe he has to go down. Cal Newsom, a barber, is coming into Aston Villa's training ground to cut their hair. Is this being okayed by Unai Emery? Is it being okayed by the same person that's given Austin McPhee free reign? Because this barber has free reign. He's coming into Villa's training ground and cutting people's hair. It's a training ground. I thought they were all going around to the Abbey's house. I mean, you, I know you think as well you're looking at the, the low fade a lot of them have, the way they're all doing their fringe. 
and Telemans and McGinn definitely have. But no, Telemans and McGinn are getting their haircut by Cal Newsom at the training ground. And I have to tell you, he also is getting their haircut. Longley. Longley's getting it. Didn't fucking look like it was cut. Longley's getting his cut and Callum Chambers. That was the four that he posted on his Instagram account. But I just thought it was a bit strange. I mean, surely, I don't know. Where, where, do I sound a bit too much of an old school dinosaur, a proper football man, saying that wouldn't happen to my day? Yeah, you, you definitely sound like a proper football man talking about haircuts on a football <laughs> podcast. Uh, 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 like you, he asked there, like, who's okay? And this is Austin McPhee, okay? This is in here. Has this segment of the podcast been okayed by everybody involved? <laughs> yeah, I was just slagging the last conversation, thinking I was moving it on to something better. <laughs> Let's stop talking about Conor Hurahan's left foot magical strike and talk about fucking haircuts in case people think we've lost the plot altogether. Stop getting sidetracked, Liam. The... <laughs> I suppose McGinn does have to go up though because he's playing in that role now in, in midfield, and you know we we look. I thought we looked pretty competent anyway. It's it's not the same when Kamara's not there, but it's probably the best solution, right? We're back to the Douglas Louise jump again, double pivot after all these years. <laughs> We are, yeah, and we always loved it back then, Con, so I don't know what the problem was. Uh, <laughs> I, I am, I know it was a really tight game, so we probably didn't want to do it, but I'm, I'm surprised he didn't give uh, Timbo a few extra minutes because he's definitely going to be needed before the end of the season. Perhaps it wasn't the game to do it. Maybe at home to Nottingham Forest, is more, he's more likely to play 30 minutes in. I mean, God knows if fucking Tiedemann's played 93 minutes today, Ruben will probably have to end up playing 70 minutes. Tiedemann's be taken off in the first half, poor guy. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's what he was thinking there. It is the best solution. I think John McGinn has to play in there next to Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise was nowhere near as influential today as he normally is because he was obviously dropped a little bit deeper. And John McGinn was probably playing more in the Douglas Louise role, but it works a lot better, obviously, whenever we've got a manager who's a player set up. And as John McGinn would tell, he tells him where to stand on the pitch. And the fact that we're playing this system with Tielemans off. Watkins, Tielemans is a lot deeper than a traditional number 10 would be. Jacob Ramsey's playing on the left wing. I think you've got enough bodies in there. I think the system works pretty well. And it's worked pretty well for 30 of the 50 Premier League games that Emery has managed. And you know what, Liam? There's only 13 Premier League games to go. Suddenly, when it felt like we were crawling through the mud there, it felt like we were just drifting off into space. Suddenly, I can see the light. <laughs> I can see crawling through the motor we won two games ago <laughs> it just it just felt like you know this is either petering out or it's it's just come to a halt i don't really know what it's all for anymore you know i think i, I used a, a grim thought to the last day it was just like ah oh, just just put me out of my misery that would have been better sort of thing but now there's 13 games to go and i can see the summer is coming i can see the sun coming up on the horizon and I can I, I can see us making it through these thirteen games, all the injuries and everything else to go. There's only thirteen matches left, and we're in a good position. We're back in the top four because Spurs went and lost to Wolves. Now we'll have to play Wolves at some stage, and we'll obviously lose them like we always do. But, <laughs> but we've got Forest at home next week. We've got Luton away, and then we've got Spurs at home. We could be really motoring home with ten games to go, and there is suddenly a bit of. 
optimism in there again. There's a big chance in there. And I think McGinn put it really well the last day when he said, we can still create something special this season, despite how sickening it was last week. Still in our hands, and it very much is, as we sit in the top four, Liam, with only 13 games to go. Incredible. Let's just leave it at that. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. All the best.